Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the end of Elisha's career as we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Chapter 9. Elisha is an extremely colorful character. And we are coming towards the end of the career of Elisha, a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. And Elisha commanded one of the young prophets to go to Jezreel and there to take a cruise of oil and call Jehu, who was a captain of the host of Israel, into another room secretly and there anoint him with the oil to be king over Israel and then Get out of there as fast as you can. So this young man came to Jezreel where Jehu was sitting with a bunch of the officers and all. And he said, I have a message for you, O Jehu. And Jehu said, or he said, I have a message for you. And he said, which one of us? And he said, you. And so he said, come into the other room. And so he went into the other room and he said, thus saith the Lord. He has anointed you to be king over Israel. And, of course, to replace the uh, house of Ahab and Jehoiahash, who was a descendant of Ahab. And so he poured this cruise of oil over Jehu, and then he took off. When Jehu came out with the rest of the officers, he said, what in the world was that guy all about? Man, he was wild looking. What did he tell you? And, and Jehu said, he, he anointed me with oil and told me that I was going to be the king over Israel. And so the guys all took their coats out and they made this stairway. They had him stand at the top of the stairs. They put, began to blow the trumpets and say, long live Jehu, king, you know. And so he said, now look, you guys are really serious about this. Don't let anyone go and warn the uh, king Uh, what's happened. And so Jehu and the men headed then for Jehoram, who was the descendant of Ahab, who was the son of Jehoshaphat. And Joram at the time was recovering from injuries that he had received in a battle against the Syrians, and he was at Ramoth Gilead. And so In those days, they had, of course, walls around the city and they had the guard towers and guys would sit up there in the guard towers and they could see people coming from a long distance. And so this this guard called down and he said, there's chariots that are approaching the city. I can see the dust in the distance. So they sent out a messenger. Uh, The king Jehoram said, go out and ask them if they're coming in peace. And so the messenger came to Jehu and he said, are you coming in peace? And he said, what have you to do with peace? Get behind me. And so the messenger had to get behind him. So the guy up on the wall said, 
The messenger came to him, but he's not returning. He said, send out another messenger and ask him if he's coming in peace. And, and then the guy said unto him, the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he driveth his chariot furiously. My wife wanted to get me a license plate with Jehu on it. I don't think that's very charitable of her. But at any rate, the second messenger came to Jehu. And he said, are you coming peaceably? And he said, what have you to do with peace? Turn behind me. And so Jehoram, Joram came out to meet him in his chariot with Amaziah, who was the king of Judah, who happened to be visiting him at Ramoth Gilead because he was sick, Amaziah, and there was an affinity between Amaziah and uh, actually, there was a, is a family relationship between the kings at this particular time. And so King jo Joram, or Jehoram, came out and said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he said, What peace as long as the whoredoms of your mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many? And Joram turned and fled, and he said to Ahaziah, who was the other king from Judah visiting him, he said unto him, it's treachery, O Ahaziah. And Jehu drew a, his bow and shot Joram in the back. The arrow came out through his heart, sunk down in his chariot, and died. And then they pursued Ahaziah, and uh, they injured him, and he went to uh, the city of Megiddo, and he died in Megiddo, and some of the uh, men from Judah came to Megiddo, carried him back to Jerusalem, and buried him there in the sepulcher of uh, David, or the fathers in the city of David. Then Jehu came to Jezreel, where Jezebel was still, she was still alive, this wicked wife of Ahab who had led the Israelites into Baal. She had introduced the Baal worship to Israel. And so Jezebel, knowing that Jehu was coming, said unto him, did Zimri have peace who slew his master? She was looking out the window. Actually, she had painted her face and, and teared her hair and fixed up, and she taunted him, sort of, did Zimri have peace who killed his master? And he lifted up his face to the window. He called up there, and he said, are any, anybody up there for me? And there were three eunuchs that stuck out their heads, and they said, we're for you. And he said, then throw that woman out. And so they threw Jezebel out. And uh, she came crashing down, her blood spilled on the wall and upon the horse, and he trampled her under the feet of his horse. And then he went on into the house and sat down and ate and drank. And he said, a couple of you guys go out and bury her. And they went out to bury her, but they found nothing but her skull and the palms of her hands and the bottom of her feet for the dogs 
had already eaten Jezebel there in the streets. Now, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Elijah against Jezebel, declaring that the dogs would eat her in the streets of Jezreel. And so the end of the career of this extremely wicked woman. It is interesting that women, it seems, have a capacity of deeper depths of depravity than do men. <laughs> and I think the reason being is that a woman is a, has a much finer-tuned emotional capacity. I believe that a woman is capable of higher heights than a man. I believe that she's capable of greater experiences of, of joy and excitement. But her emotions move on a broader spectrum than as a man. A man is more coarse in his emotions. His emotions move in, in sort of a rather narrow spectrum, coarse spectrum. He's not as capable as of the great highs that a woman can have, and yet a woman who turns to the opposite end and goes to the lows is able to go to the lowest. And, and it seems that the woman's temperament being finer has greater highs, greater lows. The man is more in a uh, middle of the spectrum moving in a coarser, his emotions are of a coarser makeup than a woman, not nearly as fine as is a woman. And Jezebel is a classic example of a woman who has gone to the lowest. And of course, I think if you study history, a woman who has gone bad is capable of some of the cruelest things, things that you would never dream of as you, as you look through history. When they turn to the lower end of the spectrum, Jezebel is interesting in that in the book of Revelation, the church of Thyatira, which introduced idolatry into their worship, the whole introduction of idolatry into worship within the church, that is, setting up idols within the church, this church system that brought in idols as a part of the worship. The woman Jezebel, the name is related to this church system. So the Lord said to the church of Thyatira that thou hast this woman Jezebel who caused my servants to commit fornication and idolatry. And I'm going to cast her into a bed and into the great tribulation unless she repents from her deed. And those that commit fornication with her being cast into the great tribulation. Now there are those who declare that the church is going to go through the great tribulation. Yes, a part of it is. The church that relates to that Jezebel system so you know when people tell you the church is going through the great tribulation, what part of the church they relate themselves to. <laughs> I don't wish to relate to that part of the church. I would rather relate to the Philadelphian church. 
who has kept the word of his patience and therefore will be kept from that hour of temptation that is coming to try men who dwell upon the earth. But the warning of the Lord, because thou hast that woman Jezebel, who causes my servants to commit fornication and eat things that are sacrificed unto idols, therefore I'm going to cast thee into the great tribulation, or cast her into great tribulation and those that commit fornication with her, unless they repent of their deeds. So this, this wicked woman of the Old Testament who introduced idol worship, the worship of Baal, to God's people Israel. The Lord makes the likeness of the introducing of idols in the worship of the church. I cannot understand how a person who reads the Word of God and really believes the Bible could establish idols within the church even if they be idols of Jesus or the saints or whatever, inasmuch as it is definitely prohibited under the law and Jesus himself declares his own feelings against it in his message to the church of Pergamos, and Thyatira, there has been, in some areas of Mexico, what I consider to be a genuine, true, spiritual revival in the Catholic Church. And I believe one of the evidences of the truth of the revival is that in this one area, where this one bishop has really been born again and filled with the Spirit, he has had them remove all of the idols in all of the churches that are under his jurisdiction. And that thrills me, because I cannot, though I seek to be very accepting and broad-minded, I cannot see the place of idols in a place of worship of God inasmuch as it has been so strictly forbidden both Old and New Testament. Jezebel, very wicked woman, her death and being eaten by the dogs prophesied by Elijah the prophet and fulfilled at the hand of Jehu. Now, Ahab, who was the husband of this wicked woman Jezebel, who himself was extremely wicked, had 70 sons. Evidently, Jezebel wasn't his only wife. Now, these sons had grown up in Samaria and in Jezreel, and they had been brought up by the tutors, and, and they were more or less leaders in these communities. And in his letter, he said, Now you have with you the sons of Jehu. So you anoint whichever one that you want. Gather together your men of war and anoint whichever one you want to be the ruler over you and come out and meet us in conflict. 
while the men in the cities said, hey, this Jehu is tough. He's already destroyed two kings, and who are we to stand against him? And so they sent letters back to Jehu and said, look, we're willing to submit to you and, and acknowledge you as the king over Israel. And he said, if you're sincere in this, then tomorrow send me the heads of the sons of Ahab. So the next day they delivered him a pile of 70 heads of the sons of Ahab. And thus again, the word of the Lord was fulfilled in that God said he was going to cut off all of the descendants of Ahab. He was going to cut off that family line. And so God fulfilled that word. Then Jehu met 42 men who had come from Judah who evidently had not heard that Amaziah, their king, was killed. And he said, who are you guys? They said, we're all brothers of Amaziah. And so he ordered that they all also be slain. Then chapter 10, verse 19, Jehu said, all right, folks, call unto me all of the prophets of Baal. For Ahab served Baal a little, but Jehu will serve him much. Now he was doing this subtly, it says, because he was intending to eliminate Baal worship. So he gathered together all of the priests and all of the people that worship Baal. He said, we're going to have a great celebration, offering our offerings unto Baal, and I want to lead you all in Baal worship. And so they gathered all of the people from Israel who had worshipped Baal into the temple of Baal. And he says, now, are you sure there are no servants of the Lord here? Nope. All servants of Baal. Then put on your vestments. So they put on their vestments, their aprons and all, in their worship of Baal. And then he ordered 80 men. He said, all right, now go in and wipe them all out. And if you let any of them escape, it'll be your life for his. And so they went in and utterly wiped out all of the worshipers of Baal. And so Baal worship was eliminated out of the kingdom of Israel, totally obliterated. However, Jehu did not destroy the two golden calves that Jeroboam had set up in Dan and in Bethel and continued in the worship of the golden calves and thus did not serve the Lord completely or fully. He did eliminate the Baal worship but not the worship of those golden calves. Now the Lord said to Jehu, because you have been so good in executing my judgment against the house of Ahab, your children will serve on the throne to the fourth generation. But unfortunately, Jehu did not take heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all of his heart. So at this point, the kingdom of Israel began to diminish 
in its strength. And Haziel began smiting the borders of Israel on the east side of the Jordan River, the area that belonged to the tribe of Gad and Manasseh and the Reubenites, and, and they began to fall to Syria. Now, I think that there is an important lesson here. When going back now, the book of Joshua, when the children of Israel were ready to come into the promised land, they had been staying for a while on the east side of Jordan, the Jordan River. Up in the area, they had settled, many of them, in the upper area of the Golan on the east side of the Jordan River, the area of Moab, Gilead. And they came to Joshua and they said, Hey, we really don't care to go over and live in that land that God promised. We're quite content to stay right here. We're cattlemen, and this is good grazing country, good cattle country, and we're just very content to stay here. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of 2 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Kings 9-10 through 10 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless you and keep His hand upon your life. May the Lord give you strength for every trial and testing. And may you come to that place of a total reliance upon His strength, the acknowledging of your own weakness, the surrendering and the committing of yourself completely into His hands. And thus may your weak be blessed and anointed by God. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. As Easter is approaching, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is on the hearts of Christians everywhere and how they might witness this beautiful story to their loved ones. With this in mind, The Word for Today would like to present a special MP3 entitled My Redeemer Lives that includes 14 reassuring messages to answer the significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ 
and a life that should bring hope to everyone. Also included is a special presentation of the crucifixion from a doctor's perspective, as well as a powerful salvation message shared by Pastor Chuck. And when you order My Redeemer Lives MP3, we'll include a free CD by Pastor Chuck to witness to your loved ones that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. This CD, entitled A Risen Love, clearly presents the evidence to help others make a decision that will impact their immediate and eternal future. For more information, contact The Word for Today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.